You can be seated this morning. Thank you. You know, we're right in the middle of a series called Shadows. And Shadows is about, you know, those things that want to try to live in the dark. In the shadows, in the edges. They don't want to be confronted with light. And one of those things is fear. And we talked about fear last week. And we talked about fear in the context of Joshua. Can you imagine following a leader like Moses? And I don't want to re-preach the message, but I want to bring you up to date. You know, kind of, how would you like to follow the guy that held a stick and the Red Sea parted? You know, and he prayed and bread fell from heaven and water from rocks. And you have this guy, Joshua, and he's, he, he gets the information, Moses has died, and now you're the guy. But be strong and courageous, because I'm with you. And we realize we can connect that to the book of 1 John that says, perfect love casts out fear. And in the context of that chapter, John is really saying, the Father abides in the Son, and the Son abides in the Father. And if the Son abides in you, then now you abide in the Father. So you never are anywhere where you are alone. And so the premise of God being with us and that we don't have to face life's challenges alone brings us peace. It literally says it casts out or cures fear. And so I talked to you last week about the Bible says 350 something times it addresses the issue of fear. 70 specific times it tells you not to be afraid. And this God of the universe tells Joshua, I'm with you and you're gonna go fight a fight that you have no business trying to, to win because you have no military power. You have no weapons that can knock down walls, but I'm gonna go with you and I'll be more than enough. And we know the story. Today, I'm gonna readdress fear. We're going to talk about where is God in our life and how is our worship? Because really to get to some of the peace that we desire that is robbed from us through fear, we have to really ask ourselves, is our worship right? Is God in the right place? So would you pray with me this morning and then we're going to get right into scripture today. Father, I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do a work that only you could do. That God, I, that I want to bring information, but information alone is gonna, never going to be enough, like Abel saying. We need you to anoint the authority of your word. We need the power of your word, the life-giving, life-changing anointing of that word to go forth and touch our lives. And as we address fear and worship, as we bring ourselves to a place where we have an understanding that you're with us and that we're going to trust you with everything, even our life. That, Father, that we are in safe hands. That the chaos of the world can't determine who we are and give us an identity to live in the shadows bound by fear. But we can be children of light that bring revival to the earth. And I give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You know, one, if you're struggling with fear in your life, we want you to know that there's hope. We're not going to judge you, but we want to bring you the power and the authority of Scripture so that you might live beyond that fear, that you might really be freed from the chains of that fear. Do you realize, how many of you will, will go on record to tell me through your amen that you believe God is sovereign? Say amen. amen. Sure. And that, that means that he knows what he's doing. 
That means that he knows what's best for you and knows what's best for me. And do you realize that when God created the birth of a child, that they are only born with two natural fears? Two. One, two. One is the fear of falling, and the other is the fear of loud noises. That's the only two fear instinctively you are born with as a person. But yet 19 million people today in our nation struggle with some form of dysfunction when it comes to anxiety and fear that they are bound by something called a phobia. That means that if you're afraid of snakes, heights, you're afraid of elevators, you're afraid of small enclosed spaces, you're afraid of failure, all of that you learned from somebody. Either they taught you how to be afraid or when fear arose in you, they didn't know how to correct it. And I've told you the story, some of the things that me and Michelle did as parents, we did wrong. Some of those things we, we did right. But one of the things that I was just not going to tolerate in my house was fear. I was really just not going to deal with it because sometimes if you, if you just pretend it's not there, it doesn't do you any good. So does Anybody interested in knowing what is the definition of a phobia? If 19 million people have them, shouldn't we know what a phobia is? I wrote it this way. A phobia is defined as a persistent, irrational fear. And guess what? Out of 19 million people, you're probably sitting next to somebody that has one. So what does that really mean in the practical? Let's take somebody that's afraid of heights, you know. Anybody afraid of heights and have the courage? Oh, we got some hands going up. Say amen if you're afraid of heights. Amen. Yeah. And that's the, the, but a phobia is an irrational fear of heights. That means that you live your life on ground floor because you're afraid to leave the ground in fear of when you get high, it may hurt you or kill you. Now, I would understand all of you that raise your hand, and I'm not judging, I'm just trying to bring some truth. Have a little fun here to begin with, and then we're going to... You know, if I was asking you to go up 50 stories and walk on a three-inch beam, now I'd understand. If I was asking you to do 50 stories, you do to this, I could understand you being afraid. I'd be afraid. But for you not to get on an elevator and go up to the top floor of, of a building and you miss the view from the top because you're afraid of leaving the ground, the irrational part is you've got to believe that the building is going to fall down for you to get hurt, but yet you still won't go to the top. See, that's an irrational fear that says, oh, the building possibly could fall down if I get to the top floor. No, probably not. There's other irrational fears like, you know, there's some good fears. If you see a dorsal fin, it's okay to say, hey, I, I'm gonna choose not to swim right now. <laughs> but to stand on the beach and not get more than ankle deep because you're afraid of somebody getting eat up by you know getting eat up by a shark, that might be an irrational fear. And 19 million people suffer from those things that bind their life. It's enjoyable. Next time you go to the beach, face your fear. Get in the water. Let's see if you get eat up. <laughs> that's good. I don't, you'll get it in a little bit. It, it, that's just good. That, that, I, I had to get out of my mind. But when God starts to teach us some examples about courage confronting fear, 
He normally does it through a story. And in Judges chapter 6, we find the story of a man named Gideon. It's one of my, it's my oldest son, the one that was singing on the guitar today. You know, it's probably one of his favorite passages of the Bible. The story of Gideon, of how a man that had issues, fear, when he is actually first confronted by God, he is a coward. But a lot of times when we're dealing with fear and the bondages of fear, we pray for the symptoms to go away. God, just take it from me. And sometimes we're praying over symptoms when God wants us to see the real issues going on underneath the surface. And that it may be manifested through the fear. See, many of you know that I suffer from allergies. I've suffered from allergies for 18 plus years. You know, and God has done a miraculous work in me and healing me of some of those allergies because uh, 18 years ago I had to have uh, shots in both arms just to live here. I had to have two in each arm each week. And so because of those allergies, I have a cough. And I went to doctor after doctor trying to find out what was wrong with my lungs and why did I keep coughing and when, you know, I was praying. And so I found a solution to my cough. It's called a cough drop. (laughs) It sounds so simple that this could be the cure. No, it's not the cure. Because what happens is when I go into a room that, and my body deals with mold is one of my primary allergies. And when I smell mold, then my sinuses start to drain, my drainage goes down my throat, and it causes me to cough. See, just because I'm coughing right now doesn't mean I've solved the issue of my allergies. I just have a cough drop. And most people in our spiritual lives, we're looking for God to give us spiritual cough drops and take away the cough instead of finding why the source of the cough is there in the beginning, that we can deal with the real issue going on in our lives. Well, this is the story of Gideon. See, many of you want to rush right over to the 300. We're going to get there. But the story of Gideon's really not about the battle. It's about idolatry. See, a covenant group of people, God being in covenant with his people Israel, had cut covenant with one another. And one of the issues that God took issue with is that almost every single time when the Bible, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here in just a moment. Every single time that you hear the Bible say, and they did evil in the sight of God meant that they were starting to worship other gods beside the true God. And they were falling into the temptation of idolatry. Listen to the story. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. And would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza. And leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste to the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. So God started to bring judgment through Midian on the people of God, not because 
they were bad people, but because they were starting to worship false gods. And they were starting to experience and participate in idolatry. And so they started to cry out. After seven years, they finally start taking issue with they are now assigned to a new identity and the people of God had now built a fear culture that every time the enemy showed up, it never talks about them showing up and them losing a battle and the, and the survivors running to the hilltops. No, all the enemy had to do through the uh, culture of fear was show up. Nobody fought. They just ran for the caves cowardly. They would grab scraps upon their way and they would, they would run to the little caves and they would hold on to the scraps that they had, hoping that they would be just enough to last long enough for the enemy to get tired of being in the land and leave. And so I kind of picture it like this. They'd go outside and go, oh, no, 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 they're still here. They're still here. We can't go back out. We can't go live our lives. We can't go be free. We got to be up here cowardly, shaking in our boots, in the dark, in a cave, because the enemy's out there. And so many times Christians live that way. For the life of me, I don't know why. Oh, no, the devil showed up. He's out there. Let's go over here and hide from him until he leaves. Guess what? He'll come back. But one of the points is that you have to understand about this text is the enemy's not here right now in the text. It's God. He's fixing to find Gideon. He's fixing to start correcting some of the issues of worship. The enemy, the Midianites, hadn't showed up yet. He was just giving you a background that they showed up like locusts, innumerable. Their camels and them would just come in, eat everything, and then leave. And God starts to say, the issue isn't the Midianites. They started to cry out, God, will you save us from the Midianites? Will you take away the Midianites? Will you take away the temptation? Will you take away this? It doesn't sound like our prayers. God, you know, if you're struggling with, a, with a, an addiction or a bondage or something, you, you're, you're always praying for God to, to take it from you. Why don't we just conquer it? Instead of waiting for it just to disappear, why don't we just face it, fight it, win the battle over it? Amen? <laughs> Sometimes in my head, stuff flashes through, and it just is, it's very dangerous, especially when you have a microphone. Like that guy that is praying against an issue with lust, and he's saying, God, just take lust from me. And you would have to wake up tomorrow, and every woman on planet Earth disappear. <laughs> but that's the answer you're looking for. Why don't we just confront it, man, and deal with it? And so God says, the issue is not the Midianites. It's your worship. You've got idols in the position that I belong, and I'm just not going to tolerate it. And by the way, when he shows up and he's telling us, he sends a prophet and he tells them something like this. I'm the God that got you out of Egypt. After 400 plus years of, of slavery and you don't have anything but a trial. You got a hoe and a trial. I delivered you from the hand of the mightiest army on earth. 
as a band of slaves, I walked you through a wilderness for 40 years and then gave you the land of promise and gave you one command, basically. Don't worship idols, and you've done the very thing that I said, and you want me to be okay with it. And sometimes I think that the people of God want God to just cooperate with us. Well, I love you on Sunday, but I love something else on Tuesday, and I love someone else on Thursday, and you know I got my needs. I got to get them met on Friday, and I just need you back by Sunday. And then we want God to cooperate with us. And we wonder why we get into some of the positions that we get into. Now, here's one of the things for the record books. And if you're an underliner or you tweet, this is a good one to to really write down. Is that most of the time you are praying for God to make whatever you're struggling with disappear. But he's always looking for a man to become so contagious in his faith that he confronts what they're afraid of and delivers them and brings revival to the land. Could what we're praying for, because I'm going to get deep this morning, could what we're praying for as a church, you individually, you want God to make whatever it is that is your list to disappear, but maybe God wants you to bring revival to the church. Maybe he wants you to bring revival to the earth. Maybe it's not about you at all. (laughs) Maybe you thought that you were praying. That's good stuff right there. People on the internet are clicking off right now. Oh, my God. It's not about me. No, maybe, maybe you're going through something right now. Not that God caused, but maybe he's given you the strength to walk through it, to be an example to others, to bring hope and revival to somebody else. Amen? <laughs> and he says, you're praying for me to take away the, the Midianites, and I'm here to say, let's start by taking away the idols. And he goes to look for a man among the cowards. And when he shows up, he's got to go find this man hiding in the dark, quaking in his boots, with a handful of little wheat (laughs) that he's trying to hold on to just to survive until the Midianites leave. He's not the guy that's going around the caves going, come on, man, aren't you tired of doing this? Let's get out there and fight. Let's do something. No, that's not him at all. He's like way over here just beating his little wheat against a rock hoping to make it, living off the scraps. Angel of the Lord shows up and calls him. He says, the Lord is with you. Remember the premise of perfect love is God is with us and won't even leave us in judgment and that he will be with you forever and that's what makes you face the challenges of life because you don't have to face them alone. And he's telling me, first and foremost, I want you to know the most important thing. I'm with you, dude. Oh, you mighty man of valor. And he goes, oh, man, you got the wrong person. I'm not no mighty man of God. You see me with my little wheat beating it up here on the rock. I'm afraid of those people out there. They could kill us. Isn't it amazing how fear will start to identify you and put you in positions in caves and in holes? Oh, you're not running for the mountains. There's no mountains in Florida. But sometimes you'll stay locked in your living room because you're afraid to let your heart out because somebody hurt you in the past and you're afraid to give it to anybody else. It's time to conquer the fear and quit living off the scraps. (laughs) Who are you going to believe? 
God has sent an angel to tell this guy, and now he's going to argue with it. Now, here is some key facts about if you're struggling with fear in your life. Here's fact number one. He says, well, if God is with us, why are we in these caves? First and foremost, when you suffer from the, the stronghold of fear, it's always somebody else's fault. It's those Midianites out there. If they weren't there, we'd be okay. No, if you got your idols out, the Midianites wouldn't be there in the first place. It's always somebody else's fault because it takes real courage. Here's the first step of conquering fear. Have courage to look in the mirror and admit when you're wrong. And say, I call some of this stuff and I got to have the courage to get God to partner with me to get some of this stuff out. Amen? God's always looking for a a man that is going to spark contagious faith that will bring revival to the earth. And all of a sudden, here's Gideon, and he's arguing with God. Well, if God's with us, why are we in this place? Could it be your idols, brother? I mean, that ain't in the text, but I think that's what the the angel said, I think. I mean, don't y'all agree with me that the angel probably said, man, it may not be the Midianites. It may be that statue. And then you start to believe what the enemy tells you when you suffer from fear. He says, not only am I not a man of valor, but I'm of the tribe of Manasseh, which is very small. And my people, my clan, my family, we're the smallest of the smallest clan of Manasseh. And I'm the least of them. He said, I'm the least of the least. I'm the most cowardly man in town. And you are calling me a mighty man of valor because, and and I'm sure the angel at that point said, well, when you get rid of the idols, you're going to remember who you really are, a covenant people in covenant with an almighty God, and he's going to bring revival through you. And so he does what we would do. He's going to put God to the test. He's going to say, okay, if you're really from God and I'm really who you say I am, let me start. And this is where you really find repentance starting to take hold because repentance means more than you're sorry. You start to change some things. <laughs> I want to preach every Sunday of my life with Miss Rhonda, always here, always. I'm going to take her everywhere I go. I could say Jesus. She's like, Yes. I mean, that, that is encouraging, sister. You just keep on. I need you. I need you. He said, let me go cook you something. Here's where worship starts to get. Here's where we're, that's good. That's better than anything I could come up with right there. <laughs> He said, let me go cook you something. See, remember, he's up there in a cave with this handful of wheat because he doesn't think that he can live off the bounty of the land. He's got to live off the scraps of the land, but his dad owns a goat. And so he goes, gets a goat, kills it, and brings it. That's why so many people want to do this and make, make sure God acts first, and especially in the area of giving. We sowed a seed this week as a church because we had a mother running around with a gallon jug with a broke-down car. And we sowed a seed, and God has richly blessed us. But sometimes an offering means it costs you something, and it's an act of worship because the people that fixed the car would have done it for free. And we said, no, you're not going to do it for free because we will not offer something that does not cost us something. 
Everybody now is wanting to get something for free. Whoo, man, I'm about to preach. How about giving something that costs first? He brings a goat. He cooks it, makes broth, a little bit of rice. I can get into that. He sits it on a rock before the angel, who he thinks is an angel. I think it's an incarnate uh, experience with Jesus in the Old Testament because an angel's not allowed to receive worship, by the way. But Jesus is. He takes the staff, taps the rock, the, the meal that he cooked turns into fire, and then he disappears. You talking about a faith builder? I'm like, hey, dude, I've made him a meal. Bam, fire, disappear. Maybe I am who he says I am. <laughs> and he takes the next step. After he sacrificed something that's valuable, the Lord shows back up and says, I want you to, before you can trust me to save your life on the battlefield, trust me to save your life with the people that love you. Because even sometimes people that love you will try to kill you. He said, go get the idol from your dad's house and tear it down. Then tear the Asherah pole beside the idol, tear it down, cut it into pieces, use the wood from the Asherah pole to catch the idol on fire. He gets 10 dudes convinced, come on. If we're going to die, I'd rather die out there. I feel something stirring in me. We can't live in these caves all of our lives. He convinces 10 men. Now, all of a sudden, yeah, fear can be contagious, but so can courageous faith. He has already taught 10 guys into coming and helping him tear down an idol. Now, it's not enough for me to go tear the idols out of your house, because if I go tear them out of your house, you'll build them back. But if I'm willing to tear the idols out of my house and live as an example of freedom and courage and faith, you may be inspired to tear the idols out of your house. So he goes and he tears these idols down and builds a fire and burns the thing up. And you're expecting, here's the thing. When you start to do something good for the Lord, expect the enemy to show up. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to show back up. Sure he is. And so here he is. He's doing a good thing. His dad gets up. His family gets up. His community gets up. Now, I'm not talking about strangers. I'm not talking about people. His own people, his family wake up, see their idol burn up. And they say, let's get Gideon and kill him. So he's risking his life now with his faith because of the command of God to tear it down. And he gets a moment in the midst of them trying to kill him. They grab hold of him, going to go kill him. And he starts to preach, man. I heard from the Lord. He sent an angel. And I, he tapped a rock. It burned up, man. He told me I was a mighty man of valor, didn't belong, living in the caves in the dark and in the shadow, bound by my fear. But I could be released by faith and be a mighty man of valor. He convinces them not to kill him, but now to go to war with him. And they bring him a trumpet. And they blow this trumpet. And 32,000 men show up ready to fight. It's amazing what 
faith will do when you get out of the shadows of wanting to live in the scraps and we start taking responsibility. It's not the Midianites that's troubling you. It's not the devil. It is the idols. It's the thing that may be causing fear in your life. You say, get practical with me, pastor. Let me just get political for a moment. Those of you online, get ready, buckle up. I am tired of people of God saying, oh, what's going to happen on November 3rd? Pastor Matt told you, God's going to be God. That's what's going to happen. World's going to turn upside down. Man, what am I going to do? Grab my little scraps and run to the caves? Not on your life. I'm going to believe the word of the Lord that says that his eyes are always upon me. Well, did you go and reach and, and, and go to the store and take every bottle of water? No, I found that there was a scripture that said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. <laughs> 32,000 men show up because one guy gets courageous enough to conquer a fear and get his worship right. The worship white bright brought God into the equation again. Now God is with him. And God shows up. Now, here, miraculously, while revival is taking place, the Midianites show back up. Ever notice that you have a lot of faith here? And then Tuesday, the devil goes, boo. And you go, oh, I got to get back to church. David, sing something for me. Amy, play something for me. (laughs) Abel, tell me one more time (laughs) that he's not going to abandon me. Here comes the army. Camels, they can't even count them. Invading the land. Because sometimes good intentions are not enough. God says, oh, by the way, Gideon, with 32,000 people, even though it's 32,000 against more than you can count, You still might think that you're strong enough to do this, but there's too many of them. This is where I start. You can play something, David. This is where I start struggling with the story. Come on, men. Men's got to be men sometimes. And if you are afraid, I know everybody says, well, just let out your emotions. Sometimes keep them to yourself. (laughs) Even if, I, if you gave me this question, we were there. We showed up to fight. I got my little stuff with me. And the Lord tells Gideon, it says, tell everybody that's afraid of dying to go home. So if you come to me in the middle of a group of 32,000 men and say, if you're afraid of dying, go home. Even if I am afraid of dying, I ain't going home. Because then you know I'm a coward. I'd rather die in my pride than allow you to let me see me in my cowardness. (laughs) And by the way, let me just give the guys a good zinger here, and then I'm going to give you ladies one. You know, sometimes when your worship's not right, you come into my office and say, Pastor, tell her the Bible says for her to do what I said, (laughs) which is taken out of context, by the way. Because what I'll tell you when you come into my office is, has she seen you pray? Has she seen you lead your household into worship? Because if you can't lead your household into worship, why would she want to follow a fool? Boy, that's good stuff right there. (laughs) 
Now, ladies, here's one for you. Let men be men. Quit trying to tame us. He said, 22,000 men go, oh, that's all I needed to hear. I go, see you, Charlie. I'm headed to the house. I'm afraid of dying. They end up with 10,000 people. God shows back up and says, hey, brother, you still have too many. Take them for the drink test. Who's going to lap up stuff like a dog? <laughs> That's the one you're looking for. Ladies, like I said, don't try to tame us. If I'm watching a football game with JJ, he loves the Pats. Uh, I have to admit, man, y'all been getting on us a lot lately. You want all them Super Bowl rings, the Dolphins been struggling, you're in our division, all that stuff. And if I go over to JJ's house, he says, you want something to drink? And he brings me something like this, I'm going to go. Wait a minute. And he gives me my paper plate with four forks, and I don't know which one. And he's going, the left fork, start from the outside and work your way to the inside. I'm going to be scared. Because sometimes you got to get with some brothers and just drink some stuff, let it get in your beard, and say, hey, man, this is the world we live in. Sometimes it's got to be rough and tumble. Sometimes you got to confront some things. No, not everything's going to be done through diplomacy. Sometimes the Bible says that the world is yearning for the children of God, the men of God, to, the sons of God to stand and take their position. And the kingdom of God suffers violent and the violent take it by force. Sometimes you ain't going to be able to read your Bible in your bedroom and expect the devil to get out of the living room. Sometimes you got to take your Bible out of the bedroom, put it in your heart and say, you got to get up out of here. I'll get some emails from that one, but that's all right. We got some rough and tumble dudes. They get stuff all over them. He said, those are the ones you're looking for. He counts them. There's 300. He said, you got just enough. Because now you know if the Midianites are defeated, it ain't you, it's me. Oh, you mighty man of valor. Here's the thing. I got like two minutes left. Do not ever base your identity on your fear. Because now he's got 300 guys. He's getting a little scared. Remember I told you courage isn't the absence of, of fear. It's knowing fear's there and you face it anyway. God shows back up. He's not mean. He's not disappointed. He doesn't say, man, I told you I was with you. Why are you afraid? He said, no. He said, hey, I want to teach you something. Go over to the enemy's camp. Sneak over there tonight. He's like, I ain't going over there by myself. You ever notice how courage is perpetuated exponentially if you can get somebody to do it with you? Anybody ever jumped off a bridge? No? Anybody? We got a few, you know. And when you first do it, I used to do it as a kid. I'd get to a bridge, jump off. But I always want somebody to go with me. Because I was afraid there's a shark down there going to eat me. So I'd be like, okay, maybe he'll eat you and I'll get away. So, and you're always like, okay, we're going to go on three. And I'm like, I'm not no fool. Hold my hand. I ain't going to let you go one, two, and me jump off. And you go, ah. Nah, we're holding hands. But once I had somebody's hand, man, I jumped. Go. He said, if you're afraid, they go over, sneak over there, find a campfire, find some soldiers. And they hear them talking. 
And one of the soldiers said, hey, I had a dream last night, buddy. He said, hey, what'd you dream? He said, it's crazy. I wasn't even drinking. It's crazy. It's like a, a bread, a loaf of bread come rolling into the camp and killed us all. Another dude said, you know what? You know what that bread is? Gideon, a mighty man of God. How did they know his name? He wasn't Midianite because they heard that there was a man in Israel that had an encounter in the dark in the cave and had arrested his fear and replaced it with faith. And he started rallying up the troops and 32,000 men showed up, but all of them almost went home except for 300. But if he decides to come over here and fight us, the Lord is with him and he's gonna win. I want you to know that Charisma Magazine may not know the name of CityGate Ministries. I'm gonna tell you, TBN has never asked me to come and speak on their television broadcast. But I'll tell you one thing, there's principalities of darkness that are assigned to Southwest Florida that knows the name of the church and knows your name because you intercede. And they know that if you'll ever get loose from your fear and be the people of courage God says you can be, you're going to set some people free with the power of the gospel. Amen. Can somebody give the Lord some praise? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. The emotion is high. I could rally us. I could do an outreach right now. I'd have like 9,000 people show up at the bus. We could go do an outreach right now. But I want to go deeper than just going and doing. Before we go and arm ourselves for the enemy, let's make sure our worship is right. You got any idols? You got anything in your life that is hindering God from being with you? And if he's with you, then you have nothing to fear, but he's not going to share you. What has your gaze? What has your heart? What has your affection? Have you believed a lie of the enemy that you're not enough and that you never will be? Have you believed that you can never conquer him because he's too powerful and you're, you're comparing your frailty to him and his might, but you, he doesn't want you to compare his weakness to God's power and God's with you will you bow your head and close your eyes maybe you didn't know God maybe you were afraid of God you didn't know he'd accept you and love you just like you are oh he'll accept and love you exactly like you are and the power of salvation can transform your life but he loves you enough not to keep you that way. He didn't leave Gideon up in a cave. He made him a mighty man of valor. What's God want to make you? So how many of you right now, before we even ask somebody to get saved, how many of you will be honest enough? Let's do this courageously. Open up your eyes. Lift up your head. I'm going to evaluate my life, so I raise my hand first. How many of you will allow the Holy Spirit right now to evaluate your life and tell you if you've got an idol? Get them up. Wow. God, you see our hands. Here we are, standing in a position of humble humility, 
saying that sometimes we may be praying for the symptoms instead of finding out what the issue is that's causing the symptoms. God, if we're, we're asking the Holy Spirit right now that God, if you reveal there's an idol in my life, I'm willing to take it down. I'm willing to move it and get it out. I'm willing to put you back in the position that you rightfully belong in. And that's first and foremost in our lives. So Father, right now, I'll take anything away that will rob me of you. Because you are more than enough. And God, as right now conviction falls over this house, with all these hands being raised, I'm sure that the Holy Spirit is telling them the same things that he's telling me. Well, David, this needs adjusting, and that needs adjusting. And you need to do this, and that has to go. God, we make the first, it's more than us being sorry. We make the first step now of just doing through an act of obedience, of taking the idols out of our lives, and once again turning our hearts back towards you. God, maybe the, the world's not going to be cured on November the 3rd. Whoever wins the election, maybe it's when our hearts turn back to you that truly we find that the people of God can arise and bring revival to the earth. Help us, anoint us, equip us, empower us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's do something before we leave together. If you're here and you're not saved, I'm not here to sell you Jesus. I'm here to testify that I've prayed the prayer and the prayer, the moment that I received salvation, it was the beginning of my journey. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I haven't been perfect since the prayer and you won't either. But what it does, what it did in my life and will do in your life, it'll conquer the fear. That you will have a fear that if you don't live up and you don't measure up, that's why you're not saved by works because you couldn't do enough good to, to deserve going to heaven. And neither can I. But if you want to live a life tomorrow, even starting right now today that is free from fear, you say, does that mean my days are going to be great and I'm never going to face the enemy? No, it means that you don't have to face the enemy alone. Will you bow your heads with me? If there's a person here that says, Pastor, I want to start a relationship with God because I don't want to be afraid anymore. The enemy's tried to tell me how worthless I am and you're telling me God has a plan for me because if he's got a plan for a, a, a man named Gideon that was a coward to become a mighty man of valor and bring revival to the earth, what could he do in me? If that's you and you're ready to get saved today, will you raise your hand so I can see it, so I can pray with you? I see those hands up in the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. Any more? let's pray Father right now as those hands were raised you saw them that act of faith that said I am in a position where I need a savior and Father right now you're honorable to your word and faithful to your word that their sins are as far as the east is from the west that as they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God, that died on a cross and resurrected from the dead, and now that because you are alive, they have life 
as well. And Father, that they don't have to be deceived that they got to wait to heaven to have, to have joy. No, you're going to start walking with them right now and free them from the bondages of fear and make them the men and women of God that you've created them to be. They're going to look past their current position and current circumstances and they're going to see through your eyes and they're going to say, oh, you created me. You know me better than I know myself. And so right now we celebrate those that have raised their hand and now their names are being written in the Lamb's book of life. And I give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord an ovation of praise.